Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 62 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for April 2022. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Pearson. Tim, how you doing? Hey John, I'm uh, adjusting my hair, coming in from all this wind here in Texas. I don't know what the deal is, but it seems like every day we got this uh, 30-40 mile hour wind uh, I guess a good day to be a good time to be a kite flyer here, but I'm not used to all this wind. And if you don't, if you're not competing with the wind, Tim, then you're competing with the pollen. Right. (laughs) And that's also been an issue here. But luckily, Tim, hopefully you've got a nice uh, pass for your uh, car to get it washed every, you know, three days or something like that. And you're doing it. So your shirt was white before you... That's right, before right? I walked in. That's <laughs> exactly correct. So, what it looks like. Well, guys, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. we got a lot of questions on the board here tonight, Tim, that we're going to be discussing. We want to thank you again for being here. We know you have other things that you could be watching. Tim, today is MLB opening day for those yes. people who are baseball fans like myself. I thought it would never come because we had some lockout stuff and everything like that, but I'm really looking forward to seeing some baseball. My team doesn't play till tomorrow, but uh, I've, I've been catching some of the games from earlier today. I'm very excited. So. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Tim, what have you been up to besides your normal job, working, other stuff? Um, just all over East Texas, you know, uh, we've had this typical time of year. We've had a lot of storms and tornadoes. We lost power the other day. But now that I drive all over East Texas with my job, um, I've seen a lot of t- storm damage, and some of this stuff is pretty amazing to see huge trees uprooted and um, stuff like that. So um, other than that, just working and doing my normal stuff. You know, it's always something around the house to fix or do. As you know, Johnson, being a homeowner, um, there's always something going on. But um, and having a good spring so far. Absolutely. Sounds good, Tim. Well, uh, we have, a, like I said, Tim, I already mentioned we have quite a few questions to go over tonight, guys. But we also have the live chat. And if you guys were here with us right before the show started, Tim, you may have noticed that there was yes. a video mm-hmm. playing as part of our countdown to the live show. And we want to thank uh, the Regzer Show here on YouTube for allowing us to show his video. Make sure you guys check out his channel and sign up. He's got some great videos over there, great arcade-related videos, we should mention, Tim. Mm-hmm. So a lot of you guys who are interested in that kind of stuff will obviously like it. So uh, 
definitely check out the Regzer show on YouTube. He's got some great content there. And he's also in the live chat with us, Tim, which we want to appreciate. We appreciate you for catching the show tonight. We also got Silly Sausage 72. He says, cheers from California, Tim. Okay. We got uh, Tim D6 is here. We've got Omega Mark. He says, just in time for the video uh, with the intro while waiting. Yep, that's exactly right. So that's new. Uh, Tim, we got a new setup here. Uh-huh. So I got a new laptop running Windows 11, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad <laughs> thing yet. We'll find out. But we have made a couple of uh, updates and changes. Well, I don't know how many of those you'll actually see on your end, but on the back end side, we've made a couple. Uh, we have Nate Berg here. He says, greetings from Nova Scotia, Tim. Wow. We've got, let's see, Omega says, greets from uh, New York. We have Boom Go Pinball says, finally made it to the show. Thanks okay. for being here tonight. That's awesome. Uh, Real Hammer Billy Lee is here, Tim. He says, hello, hello. Hey, Billy. We got, uh, let's see, Nate says, just want to give you fellas a heads up. Since last stream, I ordered um, some chips to fix my force feedback board on my rush. We narrowed it down to that, and I'm waiting on them. Okay, Nate. Well, let yeah. us know once you get those chips in how it goes for the repair. So hopefully you can replace those and you'll be back up and running. Uh, Mr. Dwayne 79 is here, Tim. He says, what's up, guys? Hello, Dwayne. And then we have NTR President here as well, and he says, greetings. Uh-huh. So we want to thank you guys again for joining us. Remember that you can leave your comments and questions in the live chat while the show goes on. We will try to address those in between the questions, Tim, that we normally answer here. So uh, if you have anything, please let us know. Um, uh, Joe Flores is here as well, Tim. So we got him. So there we go. Now, Tim, before I get to questions, though, we've been running a special to kind of get people started on their Arcade Repair Tips DVD series collection. Okay. So right now, for a limited time, and this is a very limited limited quantity, Tim, we've already sold quite a few. I don't, I'm not sure how many we have left at this price, but right now, you can get our Volume 1 DVD, the disc only, which comes in a nice white paper sleeve, Tim. For $8 while supplies last, limited quantities available. You can purchase your copy at the link there, Tim. We also have it down in the show description. For those of you guys who want to click on it, you don't want to necessarily copy down that link right there. That $8, Tim, includes shipping to the continental 48 states of the United States of America. So that does actually include shipping for most of you guys who are watching this. Of course, if you live outside the continental 48 states of the United States, then you need to send us an email and let us know so we can quote you a shipping cost on that. But Tim, this is pretty much the best price I think we've ever offered on this particular DVD, and it's a great way for you to get your collection started, Tim. As a lot of people may know, we have four volumes, Tim. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can get the first one here, start that collection off right, and then, you know, buy the second one, buy the third one, buy the fourth one, right? So, I mean, we've got some great content there. Tim, content you won't find on YouTube. All three, or all four of our volumes, I should say, have content that you will not find on our YouTube channel. So if you want some extra content, uh, make sure that you check out our DVDs and get started by ordering your Volume 1 DVD for $8, which is, again, that's the best price I think we've ever offered on. Yeah. So, uh, But if you guys are interested in that, link is below in the show notes. It'll take you to a PayPal link. You just... You can either sign in or use your card to pay, and once you've done that, we'll ship them out, Tim. I, like I said, I think I've shipped out half of what we have allocated for that offer. Okay. So uh, you guys might want to hurry if you still want to cash in on that because we only have half of what we of what we allocated for that left. So good deal. Yeah, so good stuff there. But uh, we love our DVDs, Tim. Uh, we love when you guys buy them. Uh, it's some great content there to be found. So. Well, Tim, I think we're all caught up in the live chat, and I've made all my announcements. Okay. So let us go on with the actual outline, Tim. The first question we have here is from Anthony. And Anthony says, Hi, I have a Tekken 3 arcade I bought from a place in Indiana. They shipped it to me, and it worked fine for a day, but now the, the picture goes out. It says no signal. 
when it loads up and you can hear, you can still hear the audio. The picture will come back at certain points and then it'll go back down. The CRT has been replaced with a regular screen going to a converter board. I replaced all the boards in there, including the JAMA. I also changed the VGA board and it's still doing the same thing. I don't know if I should just try to go back to a CRT setup or what. Okay, so Tim, we have Anthony here, and he's got a Tekken 3, and it sounds like he bought it from some company in Indiana. He didn't Mm -hmm. name the company. Uh, So I assume shipping was probably involved. I don't know. Maybe he lives in Indiana. Not for sure. But obviously, there's a moving of the game. Mm -hmm. And so he gets it home, and it plays well for a while, and then all of a sudden, it starts saying no signal on the board. Okay, so uh, he knows that using the converter board setup Tim, I'm going to assume that we're probably using the Gombus 8200 series video converter. That that. seems to be the most common one that we see. And so that's probably what's in there along with some sort of LCD. Could be an off-the-shelf, could be commercial grade. We're not for sure. But Tim, no signal on the monitor. Whenever we're getting that kind of symptom, what are we looking at here with Anthony's Tekken 3? Well, usually um, if you're getting no signal, it means you usually have like a board or a computer out. And that's when you would tell them, well, but he can hear it. Right, correct. So that's the difference here. The fact that he hears it, we know his board is probably working. And the monitor works at some point, um, although it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe hook it up to a computer or something, just to make sure it's not having some kind of internal monitor problem shut down sure. or whatever. But more than likely, there's see there's something wrong with that board, that converter board, or it's in some type of connection going from that board to his monitor. Yeah, and Tim, uh, we've talked about some of the kind of like cheap Chinese boards, kind of like the 61 before. And these Gombus boards seem to be the same way, Tim. It mm-hmm. seems like we have... Sometimes we have really great luck with them, and then other times we just don't. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he had a bad video converter board here. No, me and either. We've seen that quite a bit where we get this no signal from the uh, from the converter board, Tim. But like you said, the fact that the, the monitor is saying no signal means the monitor is probably working, correct? Yeah, it, the monitor is probably working, especially it's usually floating around or it'll just say there on the screen no signal. Uh, so sometimes there, it just could be a setting... I know there's a switch on the board that you can press. Uh, it may be something like that. He needs to go into that and see if he can um, go into the settings of that board. And if he can't get into the settings or anything, then he's probably got a bad board. Gotcha. Okay, Tim, well, let us go ahead and show our little outline here. So the most common video converter board that we've seen is the Gombus 8200 series, Tim. And uh, sometimes they're 8220. There's a couple of different variations on this board, Tim. But basically, they're all this GBS 8200 series. Now, we're assuming that's probably what's installed in your cabinet here, Anthony. Uh, try hitting the SW button. And you can actually see it, Tim, on the diagram here. I mm-hmm. outlined it in red so he knew which one it was. And uh, you can and see if it helps the issue. So that kind of does like an auto-adjust on it. Right. So he can try that and see if that helps. Um you can also try going into the on-screen settings and seeing if there's any adjustments that can help. Sometimes adjusting the geometry settings, Tim, can solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually seen that before. Um, we've also seen these boards have issues from the factory, like we've talked about, Tim. So it's possible you have a bad one. You may try another one or a different brand. And Tim, so I put an eBay link here, and you'll also find it down in the show description. But this eBay link actually goes to a different converter board that does the exact same thing, a different okay. branded one. And so it comes from China, so you know it's going to slow go from China, Tim. It's going right. to take a while to get to you. But it's only like $25. And so if you just want to try a 
totally different converter board altogether, that's fine. Uh, if you are going to buy the Gombus like 8200 series, I would suggest buying it from a, a supplier that allows you to return it. Right. Uh, Tim, we know that Holland Computers actually has these. And yeah. so Holland, if you buy like a replacement from Holland Computers, a lot of times they will allow you to return it if you have an issue with it. So, Anthony, if you wanted to try to replace this video converter board, you could try buying a replacement from Holland, putting it in the game, see if it works. If it doesn't, at least that way you can return it back to them and get your money back on it. Okay. okay. So, I mean, if you want to try another Gombus model, or if you want to try that eBay model, which is just slightly different than the Gombus one that most people use, um, then that's fine as well. But I think, uh, you know, try the adjustments first, kind of like we talked about on, on the actual converter board itself. See if you can get it working. Hit that SW switch. Maybe try some of the on-screen display stuff and see if it if it helps at all. Tim, do you have any more suggestions for Anthony? No, I don't think so, but um, by all means, keep us in the loop and feel free to write us back with any additional questions or uh, if there's something you didn't understand or, or tell us what you did if to fix it. We'd love to hear back from you. Absolutely. So, Anthony, hopefully it answers your question and good luck getting the signal back on that Tekken 3 arcade game. And Tim... Tekken, one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. All the way up to Tag Tournament, like the first Tag yeah. Tournament, I have all those boards, Tim. I have a Tekken 1, 2, 3, and Tag Tournament board. Uh, I have a Tekken cabinet here in the in the, in the the game room, and I love that game, Tim. It's one of my favorites. So hopefully you can get it working and play some Tekken. Tekken 3, Tim, is very fun. Very mm-hmm. fun. I remember playing in the arcades, golly, when it first came out. So anyway, so uh, Tim, let us go ahead and check in with the live chat real quick. Paul Jurey is here. He says, hey, guys. Hey, Paul. Uh, let's see, uh, let's see, Joe says he just bought volume one, he says thank you, so there you go, that's nice, uh, let's see, Michael Bloom says, uh, see if the LCD is set to the right input, if it's connected to the board via VGA, but the LCD is set to DVR, HDMI, whatever, no signal detected, and that's a good point, you want to make sure that you have it configured for the right output, in most cases, Tim, it should be configured for VGA, which is what most people use, Mm -hmm. but... If you're using HDMI or DVI, make sure that you have it set to that input so that it's coming out properly. Uh, let's see. King Cox says, I love you. I love your, I love you guys show. You guys are the best. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Thanks for being here. Awesome to have you. Nate says, question. I have a CRT that got new caps, new flyback, however, and the Anno cup got cut. So rather than buying a new flyback, we took a broken flyback and used its Anno cup, but it no longer it no longer suctions. The monitor works well, except when uh, there's any shaking of the machine gets slightly dimmer unless I shake it again. I assume it's due to the anode cup not suctioning. Tim, what do you think? Ah, that's an interesting question because I'll, uh, I'll be honest. I don't know that I've ever uh, come across that. We've seen um, it before. I've seen I've seen the anode connected without a cup. I've seen it be really loose. Yeah, yeah, I have seen it Yeah, with a cup completely gone. Right, and I think that's what we're talking about here. It sounds like basically it's just connected with the cup gone. And the cup is kind of there to hold it in place. Yeah. So it's not uncommon that if you shake a little bit that it may not make a great connection in there. Uh, if you can find a cup replacement, we would re- recommend it. So just so it keeps it in place there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, as long as you're not shaking it too much, it should stay pretty steady. And you may try clipping it in there a little bit better. Maybe separating yeah, out those I- just thinking about taking a pair of needle nodes and kind of separating the, the end a little bit to make it really tight in there. Exactly. Just be careful, of course. Yeah, and that should help a little bit with, you know, it moving around once mm-hmm. it's in the tube. But um, if you can find a replacement suction cup, probably the best solution, right, Tim? Yeah, probably so. That's so. a... 
That's a pretty interesting one. Uh, not very often. Yeah, he says, can I use something to put around it or do I need another flyback? Uh, you may be able to find just the cup part because just the cup part comes off, if I remember correctly. Too. Yeah. So you may be able to find just the little cup that goes over the anode for that. Um, you may be able to remove it from mm-hmm. another one. If not, Probably you so. may have to do flyback. Um, in fact, you know, I know um, Paul's here. I don't know if Paul's ever messed with that. We may ask him as well if he's got any suggestions for that. So That's pretty interesting, though. Yeah. Uh, King Kong, K, how can I test if a CRT is getting power from the power supply to see if the power supply isn't working before I repair the CRT chassis? Um, so you can test it wherever it comes into the monitor. So typically you'll have a plug, uh, that comes from either an isolation transformer, right, Tim, or comes directly mm-hmm. from your, from your AC voltage that'll go up to the monitor. And you can test where those, where that, uh, where those two wires connect to your chassis and just ch- test the voltage right there. And, uh, Tim, sometimes there'll be a fuse that you can test the voltage at as well, like right around there, depending on which model monitor that you're looking at. But wherever that power power comes into your chassis, if you will test that with just regular old AC voltage on your meter, Tim, and just make sure you're getting 120 there, that way you'll know that your input voltage is correct. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, Tim, any other suggestions? Oh, just maybe where it comes. A lot of times there'll be a connection going to the monitor, like a bridge in the middle, uh, you could test it there also uh, to, without getting your hands up in the monitor. But that's probably the best place is right if, there where you're talking about. If you're going to do that, I would test it on the chassis side of that right. connector, not the opposite side of that connector, the power supply side. Exactly. Just to make sure that the connector is functioning properly. So if you're getting AC voltage on the chassis side of the connector, then it should be getting to the chassis okay, right? Yep. Sounds good. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Uh, let's see. Laundry Matter K. Joe said he just bought, uh, or is there a resource to find out what each convergence ring does for a particular monitor? Um, you can check out the manuals for those a lot of times and they will tell you what the individual, um, rings do on each monitor. So, um, I don't know if there's like a guide, just a general guide. We do have our, our, um, Ingvar Carlson, of course, did the setup and adjusting of a CRT monitor where he mm-hmm. talks about convergence in there quite a bit. And he, I think he does have some stuff in there about convergence and purity rings that you may want to check out. But for the most part, your best resource when it comes to that is going to be the actual manual for the monitor, right, Tim? I think so. But you're right. If he'll go to our resource page, right, that's where it's um, I think it's just called setup and adjusting a, a CRT monitor. If you do a search for that on our page, uh, or Ingvar Carlson, if you do a search for Ingvar on our page, I-N-G-V-A-R, you will find his post about that. And he has a document there that has a lot of details about um, convergence in particular and setting up a CRT. Really great information if you haven't seen it already. But he does go into a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to match up to your monitor in particular, but uh, you may check it out anyway because it does give you some helpful information. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Uh, NTR President, quick question. What's the preferred LED replacement for the 555 and or 194-161? Tim, any suggestions for any of those? What is the preferred LED replacement, LED replacement? for the 555 and/or 194-161, etc.? Just, um, I would just go with whatever. Um, uh, I guess I don't quite understand the question. So, so if you've got a 555 to... bulb, what kind of LED would you replace that with? Okay, what so kind of LED bulb would you replace? We're that down. With? All right, now I'm on the ball. On the ballpark. Okay. Um, so you just want to make sure that you get the closest voltage to them. Um, it's either going to be a six volt or a 12 volt. Um, everybody has preferences. Some people like theirs 
Uh, my wife the likes that kind of, yeah, she kind of likes that bright. soft, and I like them. The brighter, the better. Right. Uh, superleds.com, I know, has some, but most of your pinball resource guys, like yep. we've talked about. Pinball life. Pinball life and, and people like that would probably be better to ask, and based on your preference, just got to make sure that the voltage is pretty pretty close. Yeah, I mean, to me, I like uh, soft white, clear, not frosted um, LED. Uh, but you may right. you may like bright white, um, frosted LED, or you know, I mean, there's so many different variations of it. It really just depends on what you prefer. Uh, if you're looking for something original, Tim, I do feel like the soft white is probably more original. Bright white to me is almost too bright for most cases, uh, and I like the clear versus like the the frosted um, cover on mm-hmm. those or an open cover, depending. I mean, you don't have to have that bulb cover on there. It's just funny that there's so many variations. Um, maybe you could just, uh, some guys might want to post what they like or prefer in the group, but also you might just ask, uh, if you go to a, a pinball festival or a game festival, you see one, just ask them, hey, what kind of, where'd you get your light bulbs? They'll probably be glad to tell you. But they're really, you know, 20 years ago, you might have had, or 15 years ago, you might have had one source. Now there's so many and so many, like you said, so many different variations um, you may even just get a sample of two or three different kinds from like Pinball Life or somebody like that. Put them in there and see which one you prefer the best then order the rest that you like. But he's just probably talking about a couple bulbs. It's good to have extras. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So kind of up to you, preference that you want to go with. So, okay, let's see what else we have Busy here. live chat That's today. That's good. Let's see. Um, cold Flesh and Fangs. I have a California Speed Arcade Machine that does not turn on. I bought a storage full of arcade machines and I do... And do so far, uh, but brought to a virtual fire that works, but the California speed does not turn on. Uh, let's see. All components seem to be there in the cabinet too. So, um, the California speed does not turn on. I mean, typically this is very common with these ATX style power supplies like Mm -hmm. California speed is that they do go out. And so what you want to do is you want to turn on the game and check the voltage on the power supply, Tim. They're going to, it's going to have a connector that you're going to need to disconnect and then you're going to have to put your multimeter ends in. So you want to put the ground wire in usually where black pins are, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. And then your five volts should usually be a red wire and your, um, Plus 12 is a yellow wire, Usually correct? yellow or orange. Right. So you, that that will allow you to check. Now, if your power supply doesn't come on at all, of course, you found the problem at that point. So if you're not getting any power to it, which, like I said, very common on ATX-style mm-hmm. power supply for it to go out, especially with a game like California Speed. Tim, the NFL Blitz that I have over here mm-hmm. did the exact same thing. We bought it and would not come on. Obviously, it was a power supply issue. And so if you're not getting anything, Tim, that's one of the easiest symptoms to really, to really conquer because a lot mm-hmm. of times it is a dead power supply. So let's start. Start the power supply here uh, and and then just see where it goes from there. Check your voltage coming out. If no voltage is going out, then you'll need to get a replacement. And suzohap.com has those. You can get them from Twisted Quarter, any other of any of the parts suppliers on our resources page at arcaderepairchips.com slash resources should carry those ATX style power supplies. If you need help finding one, send us a picture of it and we'll find you a replacement. Right, Tim? Yes. Are we good? Uh, let's see. I was going to say that it's kind of like one of my favorite things to fix is when I find a game that's completely dead. Right. It's usually an easier fix or easier to get going than one that's got some kind of monitor issues or like the one earlier where it's going in and out and not coming on half the time. Right. Paul says on the Nate question, you should solder the place, uh, you should solder the place to anode wire. For a good connection. The piece. You should start the piece to the anode wire for a good connection. Okay. That's what he's saying on that. 
So, uh, just to give Nate that information, let's see. Uh, Paul says, I have swapped many, never had one not stick of the yeah, anode. So, yeah. That's kind I, of a rare one to me. Absolutely. So, okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, okay. And somebody said, are you sure you don't have any cold solder joints? Um, on Nate's question about the flyback, probably not. It's more than likely I wouldn't be surprised if it's that anode, anode cup, Tim, mm-hmm. or the anode that's having the problem. But you can always touch up the solder it on that flyback as hurt. well. Definitely wouldn't hurt. So, uh, let's see. Um, Michael says he uses the non-ghosted LED bulbs, Tim. Uh, he uses the color of whatever it was under. To me, colored bulbs look better than the plain white. Some people like that. You can mm-hmm. go green, you can go red. Yeah, you know, I've like, got this nice green team holding on my Galaga. You may mm-hmm. want to do that down on the bottom too. Uh-huh. I like those uh, behind the coin door that are like if it's red to put a red bulb in there, and it really kind of does make it really glow. Absolutely. Uh, YouTube on Siri says howdy, everyone. Hello. What's mm-hmm. up? Nate's back with another question, Tim. This is another issue on a CRT. I had the CRT that turned off, didn't turn on when I went to check voltages and check good for the, a whole five seconds, then went down slowly. While black smoke came came <laughs> from the machine to make sure that that never happens again. What did I do wrong? Someone said I may have shorted the flyback, uh, or I may have shorted it. The flyback melted. So um, yeah, that does sound like probably you may have shorted the flyback. Yeah, something something got something got um, something got shorted. I would say that probably one of the pins underneath was touching something, or if some solder was touching somewhere else and. Yeah, it's, um, let's see, he says, I'm going to reread it here. This is another issue on CRT. Mm-hmm. Uh, turned off when I went to check the voltages and checked good for a whole five seconds. Then it went down slowly. So when you were checking the voltages, did you push down on the chassis at all? Um, because if you did, there's a, there's a chance that it may have made contact. We all know that the, um, typically, Tim, the chassis is kind of held up off of the little metal platform mm-hmm. with like little risers. If you push down too hard, I mean, or just hard enough, it, that could have been that the solder actually made contact with that metal plate that's at the bottom and could have caused the short. Could have. Very possible. That's a good theory. Yeah, <laughs> so if you melted the flyback, obviously the flyback is going to have to be replaced. We know that, but you may have done damage to other parts as well. Like we talked about the hot, may have been some other things. So, I mean, at that point, I think what we would probably do is start with the flyback. I'd call Paul at that point. <laughs> I'd probably start with the flyback and then kind of go from there and see how it works. Um, and just make sure I didn't – I would also check for any shorted or bridge connections, Tim, that may have yeah, occurred. Yeah, something, something shorted out is what it sounds like. Right. So it, check the whole chassis. Make sure that nothing is um, bridged <laughs> or shorted in any way because, I mean, it may have been, like I said, when we pressed down on it, we may have shorted something or we shorted across something. It's possible. So um, – uh, but other than that, Tim, I can't think. Uh, replacing the flyback is obviously number one priority because we know it's shorted. Um, but you also need to figure out what what else may have caused that. So tracing back to the hot and back through there may not be a bad idea either. Uh, so uh, and like I said, it, Paul can jump in with some other stuff. He may be better at this, Tim, than we are as far as mm-hmm. that is concerned. So let's see. Uh, King Conk, I hooked up my Pandora's box into my Jamma harness in a Sega Astro City, and the speakers stopped working after two weeks. Do you have a recommendation for a good super gun? I am going to purchase your DVDs, by the way. Any ideas? 
So, not sure why the audio went out um, after you hooked up the Pandora's box. The Pandora's box boards are pretty generic for the most part, so I mean, it should have worked fine. Um, unless the audio just went out on the board. Kind of like we talk about with the 16 ones, the Pandora's box boards are not the best made. Mm-hmm. They're kind of cheap. So, I mean, it's possible that the audio just went out. What you can do is a lot of times there is a speaker out on the on different versions of the Pandora's box. So you may try hooking some headphones or a speaker up to that port to see if you're getting yeah. sound that way. You could also try hooking up another JAMA board to see if sound comes through. This will let you know whether or not you have a speaker problem or a board problem, right? Right. So that'll kind of give you the idea. As far as super guns go, we really don't use super guns because we have JAMA cabinets, so we just plug into JAMA cabinets typically. But, I mean, as long as the super gun has the proper JAMA wiring standard that you're trying to support for whatever board you want to hook up to it, you should be fine. I mean, for the most part, I mean, they're all... It's pretty simple, Tim. It's a power supply. It's a JAMA harness. It's two... Like, it's two, um, or it's one or two control panels. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically an arcade game without the cabinet. So okay. it's basically what you have with super guns. So as far as a preference for one or another, we really don't. But maybe somebody in the um, live chat has one, Tim, maybe. that they would suggest to you. But for us, I mean, we usually, like I said, we typically just plug in the JAMA cabinets. We don't typically use super guns just because, you know, if you got a cabinet... Yeah, right. that's what we like to play on. Now, I understand people not wanting to play on that, and that's perfectly fine. Super guns are a great solution for people who don't want the bulk of a cabinet or just want the ease of being able to plug in things. So, But uh wish I had an answer as far as what we recommend, but we just don't have enough experience with super guns today. Right. So, uh, let's see. Oh, he says, yes, I'm using that speaker out as well. Um, just check for voltage going in. Oh, okay, that's Nate. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Paul on Nate's question about, he says, flyback is toast, check the hot. Yeah. So, there. I like it when Paul um, comes back with exactly what I said. It makes me feel smart. So, (laughs) thank you, Paul, for that. Um, But, Tim, I think we finally caught up. That's some exciting live chat. You guys are all over the place tonight. We love it. Um, We love questions during the show, Tim. We never try to shy away from those. We don't always have all the answers right at our fingertips, but we try our best to answer them as as accurately as possible. So, uh, we want to thank you guys for for chiming in and asking your questions and... uh, we try to give you the best answer, like I said, and uh, hopefully we did with those tonight, Tim. I think so. With us caught up, let us move on through our outline, Tim, with Scott's question. And Scott says, I'm trying to repair my brother's Wizard of War upright cabinet arcade game, which has a scrambled screen. He said the problem began with only the top inch or so of the screen, and the bad area of the screen would eventually stop, start working properly after the game had been running a while. Now the screen is like this full time. I can press the coin switch and the game responds properly. I can press the start button and begin playing the game. The sounds tell me that the game is working properly. A sticker on the back of the monitor says it is a Wells Garner 19K4616 monitor. I removed and replaced the different plug-in wiring connections from the board in the bottom of the cabinet up to the monitor, but it didn't help. I've also tried adjusting the knobs on the board at the end of the neck tube, and while it does adjust the color and brightness of the screen, it doesn't affect the basic pattern of the lines. This pattern does change as the game goes through the different screens in the demo mode, so the board seems to be trying to send data to the screen. Do you have any suggestions what might be what it might be? Thanks, Scott. So I actually have a picture from Scott Tim. This is what his okay. war looks like. Um, it's pretty. It's a pretty um, pretty common look for an arcade game, Tim, that we see, especially mm-hmm. with older arcade games. Uh, Tim, I think this would be known as out of sync. Yes. Is, is. is probably the best way that we could say it. And so, Tim, with all the information that we just gave you, uh, what do you think is going on with Scott's Wizard of War arcade game? Yeah, it definitely seems like it's out of sync. Uh, I'm hearing that tune go through my head right now. I love Wizard of War. 
uh, that thing that it plays. So, because he can hear it. Right. So that's a good sign that you can hear it and you know the game is playing. But you got to find the knobs and stuff to adjust the frequency. The hold adjustments are what you're really looking for. So it's just kind of out of hold. It's pulling uh, one way and the other, and you're getting this uh, diagonally or uh, out of sync pattern is what we would call that. Now, um, he says he's tried some of the adjustments, Tim. I don't know if he specifically tried the hold or the He said frequency. on the neck board, and remember, those have them on the boards. The cards right. themselves said 4,600, right? Yes. So he on you got to check uh, some of the some areas on there. And it may need that it's time for a repair. Uh, probably one of the easier monitors. Paul might disagree. I know a 4,600 4, to me has always been one of the easier monitors to work on because you could take the cards out yes. and work on them on the bench and then pop them back in. Um, we so, would keep quite a few spare cards around right. for that. So, I mean, it, it is handy. You may not have spare cards, though, and if you don't, there are some things that you can check, right, Tim? Yeah, and you can do, you know, check your B-plus voltage, stuff like that, and you can do a cap kit on it if you need to. But um, but there's some weird knobs and stuff, and I don't have the 4600 um, schematic in front of me or the knobs adjustment. But if you find a manual one, it'll show you where those knob placements are. You really want to dial in on the hold adjustments on that. Sounds good. So, Tim, I'm actually going to throw up our slide here okay. so we can kind of go over it. From your picture, like Tim mentioned, it does look like uh, this is out of sync. So your arcade cabinet monitor is out of sync. Try adjusting the seek frequency and hold adjustments on the chassis to make sh to see if it helps the issue. Also, make sure that the B-plus voltage on your monitor is correct. On this one, Tim, it should be set to 127 volts DC. Okay. Okay, so that's something to keep in mind. Now, if all of that is correct and everything and the adjustments just don't help, then you're probably having a problem with the sync circuit on the monitor chassis. And so, Tim, I looked this up, of course... K4600 monitor, you need to check transistors TR201 through TR203 and transistor TR210 and TR308. Might think about a cap kit as well. Tim, you mentioned that if you don't want to do a whole cap kit, at least replace C315. Good. Okay, so if you're not going to do the whole thing, at least replace C315. That has a lot of problems. That ca can cause a lot of problems with sync issues. So I'll leave this up here for just a second here, Scott. But, I mean, it just really depends on if the sync is at the monitor end or if it's at the board end. Now, right. it could be that the board is having issues actually putting out, like, a solid sync. In that case, you're going to have to have a board repair. You can try some of the stuff that we talk about in our post on uh, inspecting an arcade board, Tim. Um, but, a lot, Tim, I would say... 75% of the time, this is a monitor issue, and 25% of the time, we see this as a board issue. That sounds pretty reasonable. So, I mean, that's just, you know, like I said, that's just kind of, that's, that's from our experience, that seems what it is. So, I mean, 75% of the time, when we see an out-of-sync picture, we're thinking board, we're thinking chassis or wiring. Yeah. Um, the rest of the time, very, it's possible it can be a board issue, but it's rare. So, um, but uh, again, uh, try those adjustments. If not... Let's look at some parts on that K4600 chassis, and hopefully that can get you back up and going. Tim, anything else for Scott before we move on? No, I don't think so. The live show is still popping over there. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> go back to the live chat here while we have a moment. But uh, before I do that, I want to say, Scott, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting the sync back going on your Wizard of War arcade cabinet. Okay, let us go back here. Uh, let's see... Um, Michael says, Wizard of War. Now that's a game, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. I love the Obi-Wan Kenobi references. Always great. Let's see. Um, clickety clack. Did I miss the Crimson World question? No, it's coming up. So hold on. We'll, we'll be getting that here in a second. 
Uh, Cold Flesh and Fang says, I have a Nintendo Super System arcade and the CRT does not turn on, but I can hear sound. Any idea what the issue could be? Um, so you have a playing blind there. Uh, cold fangs and flesh. So playing blind typically means that, you know, it's something on the high voltage line. So, I mean, it could be fuses, hot, flyback. Uh, it could be other things as well. Uh, check out our video on, um, um, troubleshooting games that are playing blind. Yeah. That would be your very first stop for that cold fangs and flesh. So watch that video. That'll give you some ideas of what kind of repair you're going to be in for on that monitor. And if you need additional help, take a picture of your chassis of what your monitor looks like on the back and we can help you identify it a little bit better. Uh, Paul says there's a hidden pot for horizontal on the 4600. Yes, he is correct. And mm. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it is kind of hidden and it's really hard to see. Yeah. Um, That's why so, I said you almost have to, I'd have to have that, uh, diagram in front of me. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So that is the one I think that Tim was also talking about as well. So make sure you adjust that horizontal adjustment. I think it's in the, near the middle of the chassis. I can't I'm not going to say that because I'm not for sure. If I could send a pick, I would. Uh, Paul, if you send that to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, we can see it real quick. So if you have a pick of what that, where that horizontal is, and I, I'll just, I'll send it over to Scott. That way he'll have a copy of it whenever he needs it. So, hey. um, but questions at arcaderepairtips.com if you want to send that over. Okay, Tim, let us move on to Larry. Hey guys, great website. I think it's great that you're so willing to help people with their issues on arcade machines. Mad props, Tim. Okay. Oh, good to hear that. <laughs> I have a multi-cade arcade that I picked up a while back and has worked great for about a year now, but recently I found that I am getting discoloration on the screen that runs vertically on my CRT monitor. I was wondering if you could tell me where to look for solutions on fixing it, if it's something that can be fixed or needs to be replaced. The picture makes the discoloration look brighter than what it really is. Thanks in advance for your feedback. I really appreciate it. So, Tim, he's got a, a multi-cade here. And you can see the green. Yeah, this is the actual picture. Yes, of it this here. is an actual picture of what he sent us, mm -hmm. and you can see the green stripe in there. Right. So, that, so uh, Tim, this is a little bit different. So I actually sent this one over to Michael, uh -huh. um, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, what do you think is going on? That we only have this little green streak in the middle. We really don't have it on the rest of the monitor. Um, it seems like that's always been something a cap kit would do and replace. I, I don't sure what cap. But um, I think that's a cap issue. A lot of times when we've seen like discoloration in certain areas of the monitor mm -hmm. or we have like parts cut out of the monitor, it seems like cap kits are, are, are one of the things that we see a lot as a solution for that. Mm -hmm. Tim, I'm going to go ahead though and kick it over to Michael. He did not send us a video for this one, but he did send back a response and I okay. want to go ahead and read his. So we consulted our monitor repair expert, Michael, and here's his response. There's a 90% chance this chassis has a bad cap. Ninety okay. percent. Okay, and that's from Michael. It also could be a leaky diode or a drive transistor. So I love his I love his suggestion here, Tim. Swap out the red or blue transistor with the green and see if the problem stays the same. Okay, this is a great suggestion. So, uh, Tim, we talk about this on our checking a monitor tube video. We talk about drive transistors. So what he's talking about is that you have a red and a blue and a green drive transistor. What you want to do is try to take the red one out, take the green one out, and swap them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if the problem stays the same, then the diode, then try the diodes as well. Okay, if the discoloration changes colors, then you you found a defective part. So basically, if you change and now you've got a red streak going, okay. then we know that okay, it's got to be in the transistors. But if right. not, we need to check the diodes as well and see if they're having issues. That's a great idea. If nothing changes, then you would recommend the cap kit. Uh, check resistors on the neck board as well. Of course, um, as always here, Larry, let us know the make and model of the chassis. We can give you 
Uh, location numbers or more information of places where you need to check. This issue is almost always caused by bad parts on the neck board. Okay, that's good to narrow it down that much. Yeah, so so for Larry, for Larry here, let's narrow it down. It's something on the neck board, almost always on the neck board. Cap kit's not a bad idea, like you said, Tim. And and like t- and like uh, Michael mentioned, ninety percent chance this chassis has a bad cap. Ninety okay. percent. So more than likely, Tim, this monitor's been running for thirty years and probably has never had any work right. done on it. And so parts are just beginning to fail. So in this particular case, um, if I'm Larry, I try to do what uh, Michael's talking about here. I swap the drive transistors in the di- transistors in the diodes and see if I can figure out where the color issue is. Uh-huh. After I figure that out, I still do the cap kit. Yeah, me you know, too. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Because it sounds like we're just this thing's got a lot of miles on it, Tim, mm-hmm. and it's about time that we do, you know, we replace the transmission or engine or other things on this thing to make sure that it continues to run well for us. So, um, how's that? What do you think? You got anything to add uh, to Michael's response here for Larry? No, but I'm glad that, that what I my first gut reaction was that's a bad cap somewhere. Yeah, but I would, but him saying that it's. Probably on the neck board, that really can narrow it down too. Yeah, exactly. Really quick. I mean, when you're talking about colors, Tim, a lot of times we know sure. that the color adjustments a lot of times are on the neck board. And so, uh, when we're having like little color issues like this, it, it, it makes sense that we would have issues on the neck board sure. that'd be causing it. So, but still, again, you still want to do the cap kit, like Michael said. Yep. 90% chance you got a bad cap as well. So, there we go. So, Larry, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting that green stripe out of... And, Tim, depending on Larry, he may just want to leave it like that till it dies. I don't know. <laughs> so, it's kind of up to you, Larry. But if you want to go to all the work of actually taking it apart, working on it, and everything like that, I think we've given you a great place to Or he start. might just switch the transistors and have a red stripe for a while and balance yeah, yeah, it Yeah, out. exactly. Depending yeah, well, on the season. If it, it, well, if, the red tra- if it goes over, Tim, then you can just replace it, the transistors. That's you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you, don't have, you just buy some new transistors. You're good to go. Uh-huh. So... Anyway, hopefully that helps Larry out, Tim. Uh, next, and it looks, are we cut up? Let's see. Oh, Danny says, hey guys, hope you're doing good. Sorry I'm so late. Danny, there's no such thing as late here. Right. So, you're in fact, in fact, even, yeah, exactly. Even if you're late, you can watch it after the fact. That's right. I mean, you know, so there's no late. It's just, you know, you're here. We're glad you're here. So, okay. Uh, let, and he says, good to see you guys again. Good to see you too. So, and look, we're not even halfway through the questions, are we? Just barely. We just got <laughs> to the halfway point. All right. Plenty of time. So, okay, Tim, let us move on to Isaac, I think, is our next okay. one. Okay, let me do this. Oh, by the way, so um, the um, the title Wizard of Gunner Feedback, Tim, so we um, it comes from three questions tonight. So okay. the first one was Wizard, Wizard of War. War. I okay, figured that So that's much. where the wizard came from. The Gunner part of it comes from this, this question one. from Isaac. Okay. So, um, hello, your video tutorials are great, informative, fun. Thank you. I have a question on a Commando arcade cabinet. According to the store that has it, the game works fine, but the gunner sprite doesn't show up. What do you think the is the issue there? It's not playing completely blind, but I haven't heard of just the character sprite not showing up. Is this a repair that's worth it if the game can be bought for a good price? What do you think would be a good price for it? Uh, what do you think a good price for it would be? And estimate on possible repair scenarios. Thank you. Isaac. So, Tim, we have Isaac here, and it sounds like he may be getting into his first four-way into owning an arcade game. Right. Okay, and so he found this commando, which he is in good shape, except uh, you can't see your little shooter guy, which okay. is a real problem if you're trying to play the game. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, so you got to fix this game in order to play this game, right, Tim? Right. Like we talk about here. So, uh, Tim, let's talk about this. What kind of repair are we looking at here for this commando, and what kind of pricing do you think he should go in at if he wanted to buy it and fix it? Okay. We, anytime we talk about pricing, it's all subjective. It's kind of like a baseball card. What's it really worth 
depends on you, you know, and what you're willing to spend and what they're willing to take for it. I would definitely use it as a bargaining tool because it's not working 100%. Uh, think of it like an automobile. If you go to pick one up and they tell you, well, it runs and drives good, but uh, don't drive it at night because it has no lights. Well, it could be a light bulb or it could be a, a multitude of things. So we always kind of want to think about the worst case scenario that's causing this. And more than likely, it sounds like it's a bad, uh, I guess that would be a RAM chip, John. Uh, it could be mostly. RAM, could be ROM. Could uh, be it's ROM. a board issue. Let's, it's a board issue. Like board issue. Uh, more than likely, uh, it could be just a, chip, a simple chip replacement and you're back up and going. But more than likely, it's going to be something a little deeper than that. Could be some lifted traces on the board. So my estimate would be, what would it cost to replace that board? Right. That's where I would try to think, because you don't know if you can. If you're good at board repair, that could be a thirty to hundred dollar fix, and because you know what you're doing and you're good at it, and you can fix that, or you may have to send it off, and it, I would say it's a couple hundred dollars, um, or you might just it might be really difficult. You might have to replace that board for three four hundred dollars, whatever they go for. These days, so that's kind of where I would judge what my worst case scenario would be that it's never going to work and I'm going to have to get another board. That's how I would negotiate that. So let's say they want a thousand dollars and I'm thinking that my worst case scenario is four hundred dollars. I definitely would want it for less than that. So if you're, they're asking, he didn't say what the asking price no, was, he did he? He was just asking what, what we thought it was worth. And so, um, it's not a super sought after game. Uh, I'm sure so it I'm gonna has. So I'm gonna give you this information. Okay. At Texas Pinball Festival last weekend, a really nice, almost fully restored commando went for $600. Okay. Okay, that's, so I'm giving you that information. That's kind of what I would think a top of the line one would go for. Sure. So now we're down, uh, negotiating on that price. Um, it is playable. I mean, you can have some fun with it, but definitely not, um, a hundred percent. So we're looking at least half of that, $300 or less is what I would, I would probably go in around 150 to $200. That's just an estimate. So I did do some research on commando boards, Tim, and I know um, I'm going to throw the slide up here so people can see this. Those 2114 RAM chips, Tim, um, they tend to go bad. They have they have issues, and so um, like we talked about, it is a board issue. You can try checking the power supply, make sure the voltage is correct. That's something we always recommend when we're dealing with board Mm -hmm. problems. And you can check out our post on inspecting an arcade board for some tips that will help. So on the board repair, though, check all the 2114 RAM on the bottom P- uh, PCB because these tend to go bad. And when they do, then all of a sudden you can't load up things from your ROM chips right into into memory. And right. so um, a lot of times people will literally like take all of these out and reseat them. Mm-hmm. Just to see. Sometimes people just go ahead and replace them all, just depending. So we do want... You can check them all, too. You can just check to see if they're getting voltage and if they're working properly. And if they're not, you can replace as needed. Um, Tim, you mentioned character ROM. Could be that if the character ROM is bad, then obviously we can't load the sprite from the character ROM into memory. And so it could be that. There are also some character RAM chips on the board as well. So check the character RAM and ROM section on the board. Make sure that all those chips are working properly and you don't have any kind of weird you know, damage traces or, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff as well. Um, those would be the places to look as far as a board issue is concerned. And like Tim mentioned, we recently saw a fully working commando go for 600 at Texas Pinball Festival, Tim. So board repair, probably two or $300, Tim. 
Probably. Yeah, that would be a good guess. If you sent it off, if you weren't going to do it yourself, about two or three hundred. If the cabinet's in good shape, then you're looking around three to four hundred would be reasonable. If the cabinet is in good shape. Right. Okay, so three hundred would be half the price, basically half the price of what they're asking for. Um, you know, to be honest with you, two hundred to one fifty would be where I would want to get it. But oh look, if you bought it for three hundred and you sunk two hundred in it, it'd be five hundred dollars. You could still make a hundred dollars profit. Right. At the or end would of the day. you be happy with that amount spent out of your budget? You know, right? Um, uh, Michael says uh, eBay has a working commando board for two seventy five. Okay. Which is right in the in the middle of the pricing that I talked about on the board repair. So you could actually get a whole new board for about what I'm talking about on the repair side. So I mean, which wouldn't be a bad idea. And then you could try to repair this one and have a backup. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea at all, especially if it's a game you want to keep. So three to four hundred may be a little bit on the high side, but at the same time, you buy it for four hundred. You 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 buy a board for three seventy five. You're at six seventy five, Tim. I mean, if if the cabinet's in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, you probably have what it's worth into it. Look, the cheaper you can get it though, get it as right. cheap as you can. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, if you're just talking, if we're talking about it from like a monetary, can I get back what I put into the game? Yeah, cabinet? and it's all relative. It, it, so, a commando game at my, uh, garage would probably stay about six months. I'd probably flip it. It's not something I, I would play it a little bit, but it'd be gone. Some other person that may be his grail, if it is, then spend the money while you can, because there's just not a ton of them coming up. Exactly. So for sale, just really depends on you, Isaac. But I, I mean, I think you know, three to four hundred, or even I mean, two hundred, three hundred, really whatever it is worth, worth for you. I mean, I think even at four hundred, Tim, you're probably okay if it's something that you really love and you want to keep. But if it's me, Tim, I want to snag it around the three to two hundred dollar range, just yeah. because you know I want a little bit of a cushion. If I want to flip it, I want to be able to flip it. So I think so. Sounds good. Uh, let's see, uh, 19, uh, let's see, 19 K Fox says low miles, right? Ha ha. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's see, um, Michael says Commando is a super fun game. It is pretty fun. I've mm-hmm. actually played it and it's a fun game to play. Not my, not my favorite, but I mean, there's people out there like Tim mentioned that, uh, mm-hmm. that love that game. So I mean, more power to you if it's one of your, if it's one of your faves. So. Okay, so so we got the gunner part of our title out of the okay. way, Tim, with that question. We have one more word, and that's feedback. Okay. And so that is with Kelly's question. So earlier somebody was asking, where are we going to get to the Cruising World question? Tim, okay. we're at the Cruising World question. This here one's from Kelly. So let's go ahead and put it up here. I just acquired my first arcade game, a Midway Cruising World sit-down. When I got it home and plugged it in, everything worked near flawlessly. After about an hour of play, the steering wheel started twitching back and forth. Now, if the steering wheel feedback motor is plugged in at all, the game will crank the steering wheel all the way to the left and hold it there as soon as it is powered on, but it will not boot at all. If I unplug the machine, turn it back on with the steering motor unplugged, it'll operate like normal. With this issue, would you suspect that the steering feedback motor is bad or the motor control board itself thank you for any help or insight you can provide kelly now kelly you've asked the right man uh tim here has a lot of experience with cruisings because yeah. you know he he had him at uh he had him at chuck e cheese for the longest time tim did you have force feedback motors in those oh yeah <laughs> every one of them okay so kelly i mean this is a pretty straightforward question here tim cruising world's working but mm-hmm. the problem is is that it's like my motor my Force feedback motor just went crazy. Now she, he or she, I'm not sure, but this person wants to know if if it's uh, if it's in the motor or is in the motor control board. Right. So what do you think, based on your experience, Tim? What's going on with uh, Kelly's Cruising World? Based on my experience, is that with it unplugged, it plays, although it's going to be really loose, and you can play it, but it's not quite the same. Everybody knows you got to have that feedback. Right. Um, 
as long as it plays like that and then when you plug it in it kind of goes berserk there probably is a short or something in that motor as probably a bad motor so you don't think it's in the control board itself no, the only other thing it could have been uh maybe would be the pot and that's where i would unplug the motor i would go into the settings and see if it will let you set and move you know you can tell if the pot is changing um, because sometimes a bad pot will cause some crazy issues. And when um, you're talking about pot, you're talking about the, the potentiometer pot for the steering wheel, correct? For the, for steering the actual wheel. steering. Yeah, for the steering. Um, now, if that is okay, which it probably is, it, it more than likely is that motor. They they go bad, and they just uh, the fact it was working at all, and then it kind of quit. I mean, you know, that motor probably hadn't been cranked and worked for over an hour in a while, and it probably put a little stress on it. And it's just probably time for it to go. Uh, now, I have heard that you can a lot of small engine repair people can take those apart and fix them. I've actually not had much luck with that, although I have tried. Usually, they go into a lot of different pieces. I, I don't know. It's like I never had could quite get them to go back and fit right and everything. So it could be that it the motor... That brush is up in there that you can replace. Right. So the, maybe cheap. the motor is able to go one way, but it for some reason can't go back the other, something to that effect. Right. So, which is why we're getting the... Yeah, if the brushes aren't hitting just right and there's rings and stuff in there, then they it's just not making good contact. So it kind of doesn't know what to do and it just flips out. And so uh, and so you're thinking that just a motor replacement here may be the best way to go? That'd be my, my gut guess is that it's the motor. Um, and here's some more information, Tim. Uh, yes, it will calibrate the steering wheel accurately. Okay. Okay, so the steering wheel will calibrate accurately. So on that the rules out the potentiometer. Um, you know, if your belt, uh, believe it or not, the belt back there, if the belt is slipping or not tight enough, or can't be too tight either, but if it's not tight enough, check your belt. And that's the belt that goes between the steering mechanism and the motor, correct? Mm-hmm. There's a... There's a uh, a pulley on there, make sure that that's, you know, tight. Take, in other words, uh, your, here's your motor over here, and then there's like a little pulley and a belt that connects them, and make sure that that's not loose, um, that that pulley is not loose. And the way you do that is there's four bolts on the motor, and you can move it and take the belt right off, and then you want to make sure that that is uh, tight on your shaft there. And then uh, you want to make sure that that belt is good and tight. But more than likely, from the description, I think that it's a motor. And they're not cheap, I know that. But um, you can replace, or somebody could replace those uh, little brushes inside and fix those. But I've never had much luck with it. Usually we just, of course, back in the day, they, I don't think they were quite as expensive as they are. They used to be under $100. We just replaced them and put them on there. But I, I know they've went up considerably. Yeah, and let me go ahead and put up the slide here, Tim, so we can get the information. From your description, Kelly, it sounds like you have a bad force feedback um, steering motor. So with that said, it may be worth booting the game into test mode, running the diagnostics just to see if there are any other issues. And Tim, I texted Tim this question, and you told me that mm -hmm. ahead of time. Otherwise, replacing the force feedback motor should solve the problem. And Tim, I actually have some diagrams here of what you're talking about with the motor and that yeah, pulley system there. you can see it pretty good right there. Right, so the first one is the diagram from the monitor, or from the manual. The second one is an actual assembly mm -hmm. uh, like we're seeing so you can get a replacement force feedback motor from suzo hat betson or other parts suppliers price looks to be around 200 dollars for the part and tim i linked to the suzo hat feedback motor here which is actually actually list cruising world is one of the games it works with um you can also get used ones on ebay 
Tim, and I think you mentioned that as well, and they are a little bit cheaper, but the only thing about the eBay route is you don't necessarily know if it's working, right? Right. So, um, now Nate says that maybe the force feedback board, example, if it's plugged in and forces it to go one side, it could be the same issue. Tim, having the bo- uh, board has two, um, two OPA uh, 541 AP chips. If one goes bad, it'll force itself. Have you had that happen before, Tim? I have had it be a board issue, um... And so that is that there is a force feedback board is that is correct. So that may be worth checking into before you spend that kind of money. But those but we just most of the time those motors would just wear out. There's a brush in there. I think you can unscrew it and and put a new brush in there if you're careful. But um for most of the time we we were replacing a lot of motors, probably few boards. Uh, and you got to understand that back in the day when we were doing this, we really didn't troubleshoot the boards much. We were interested in getting them back up as quick as possible. So we had some kind of deal where we would just send them our broken one. They'd send us their working one, and we'd be back up the next day or two. Sure. So um, let's see. Oh, Nate says, um, let's see, until it's changed. I changed the pot and steering wheel. Same problem. It was the force feedback board. So, yeah, I mean, you could change the motor and, and, and see – I mean, maybe we're changing the motors, seeing if it works. If it doesn't, you can send the motor back and then work on the force feedback board, right, Tim? Yes. So that may be where it may be a good place to start with yeah, the motor. Yeah, say it wasn't the motor, right? Wasn't exactly. Problem. wasn't your, wasn't the problem, and then you can look at the board from that point on. So, I mean, it's kind. Of, I mean, you're gonna have to start with one of those two parts, uh, parts though, right, Tim? See the mm-hmm. force feedback control board or the force feedback motor. It's one of the two. Um, start with the motor, try that first, and if it still doesn't work. It's probably a board issue at that point. I can't remember if those chips were socketed or not. It might could switch them and see. Swap but, them and see yeah, if it goes the other way. And see if it pulls hard the other way. That might be a good way to kind of narrow it down. Sounds good. Uh, it says, thank you. I have two electric motor specialty rebuilders nearby. I can check on them with rebuilding as well. So there you go. Well, let us know how it goes. And we want to know if you find somebody who can rebuild them. We want to know about it. So It seems like I was going to throw a bunch in the trash one time and some guy came in and and I gave him, and he fixed them all. Like it was, and it wasn't very expensive because he was just like, "Well, it's just brushes." Every time I tried to do it, it really wasn't that easy. <laughs> it just didn't seem that easy to me. But he knew had the right tools to pull it apart and stuff. Absolutely. So, well, keep us updated on that, and let us know if you end up Kelly, if you end up rebuilding that or get someone to rebuild it, and if it fixes the problem, great. If you need help with the board repair, let us know as well because. Tim's had a little bit of a uh, little bit of work with that as well. So uh, keep us updated and uh, sending updates to questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Okay, Tim. Well, I think it's time for our quick question and answer section of the okay. show. We've got three of them here ready, rapid fire for Tim to fire off at, as we always do at the end of our question outline here. So uh, let's go ahead and put those up and we'll get to them. So the first one's from Billy. Do you have a video about converting monitors to LED slash LCD? Carl, I bought a Retro Simpsons game. I need to remove the control panel. Is it just a latch that needs to be flipped like you did in our video? I need to get the cat, I need to get the cabinet through my door. So he's trying to take off the control panel so he can get it into his house. You know, four player control panels, all of us know. Trying to get one of those through a regular door is very difficult unless you have the control panel off. So, and then Craig here just watched your video on how to adjust the horizontal width coil on my 4900. What size Allen is on the end of that plastic tool? Mm -hmm. Do you have a direct link to a website where I can buy one? Great video, by the way. Thanks in advance, Craig. So we got Billy, 
Do we have a video about converting monitors to LCD? Carl, who needs to take the control panel off of his Simpsons? And Craig, who needs to uh, adjust his horizontal width coil, but does not want to do it with an Allen wrench, just wants to know the size. So, Tim, let's go ahead and take these one by one. Do we have a video about converting LEDs to LCDs, Tim? No. Actually, we've recorded one. I've just not edited it. We technically have a video that's never been seen before. Not on, not on, not available yet. Tim, when I pass away, there's going to be a lot of videos. <laughs> Somebody's going to find my treasure trove of stuff we've recorded and not edited, and hopefully it'll all make it out there. But no, we do not have a video on that, Tim. But I mean, we talked about it a little bit with the Gombas 8200 uh-huh. uh, video converter earlier in the show. So, I mean, that's basically all you need in order to put an LCD in there. But Tim, what do we always recommend that you use? That you use an arcade style L- made for arcade games one that commercial grade arcade quality lcd what he said that's right that's what you always want to use carl how do i get my simpsons four-player cabinet through my door and take off this freaking control panel well he asked could you get up there yes you can flip the latches but that's just going to take the top up what you're probably going to have to do is take the top up and then unbolt it correct and unplug the wires and take it all the way off it's not hard it takes an extra few minutes, but no, you can't just unlatch it and it come off. It, you're going to have to unlatch it, raise the top up, and get in there and unbolt it. Yeah, typically there's four bolts, Tim. There's two into the front of the cabinet and two into the bottom of the cabinet, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to take those out. So, uh, Craig, okay, obviously he says what size Allen, Allen wrench. He, he said for the plastic tool. So I think he recognizes that I don't want to use an Allen wrench, but what do I need to use in order to adjust my horizontal width coil? Well, you can get a TV alignment tool kit. I'm not sure exactly which one in there um, it is because it does come with a couple different sizes. But the whole kit is comes with every size that you would need. So uh, I think Bob Roberts still sell that. And uh, but but you look for a TV alignment tool kit. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the size is. Yeah, I was about to say, and we actually, I didn't do Bob Roberts on here, Tim, although you can probably get them from him as well. I did mm-hmm. Suzo Hap has them yeah. as well as um, Amazon. Amazon, I would figure. Yeah. So, and we have a link down below, but I'll go ahead and put up the responses that you have here, Tim. Um, so, no, we don't have a video that we'd recommend going, but we do recommend going with a commercial grade arcade quality LCD that already supports the resolution slash frequency you need. If you do that, you don't have to get a converter board. Right. Okay, that's the key you do this no converter board required which is great so billy if you want to do an lcd in your game commercial grade arcade quality lcd you can get those from suzo hap twistedquarter.com arcade shop um who else uh holland computers basically any arcade parts supplier will have a commercial grade arcade quality lcd that does does a whole bunch of things a whole lot better than off the shelf one it comes on when the game comes on there's no rigging power buttons Two, it already has the converter built into it, so you don't have to have a separate converter board or he supports the resolution that you need. It's just a whole lot less of a headache. whole lot less of a headache to do that, so please yeah. do that. Earlier in the show, we talked about the Gombas 8200 and the Tekken 3. If he would have gone this route, he, he would have had, had any problems. Yeah. Exactly. Carl, you can reach up through the coin door and find the latches holding down the control panel. There will be one on the right and one on the left just inside the panel. But then, like Tim mentioned, you're going to have to take out the bolts as well. And, Tim, I uh, highlighted the latches in red over here on the left-hand side. And then you can see the bolts going into the back and the bolts going down Mm -hmm. slightly in that diagram. So those are going to be the ones you'll need to take out. Plus, you'll have to undo the connectors like Tim mentioned. So if you're going to do that, highly recommend you, uh, you put labels or tape or something on those connectors to let you know which one goes where. Yep. So, uh, Craig, please do not use an Allen wrench. I know Al, um, Craig said plastic tool, Tim. Right. So I'm going to give Craig credit, but we do want to remind people, do not use an Allen wrench to adjust the horizontal width coil. Very bad idea. What you want is a TV alignment toolkit, and these can be purchased from Suzo Hap, suzohap.com or Amazon. And Tim, we have a paid link 
affiliate link here for Amazon. You can go down in the in the show notes below and click that link. Or Tim just mentioned the real Bob Roberts.net also has them probably still as well. So TV alignment tools, what you're looking for, Craig, uh, get one from the link below or at uh, any of your favorite arcade parts suppliers. Okay, Tim, did we do it all? I think so. Cool. Okay, I'll go ahead and throw us up back up here. So uh, let me look at the uh, live show here real quick. Uh, YouTube Punk says, convert to LCD blasphemy. So there you go. Um, let's see. That's not socketed. They're $10 on eBay if you need them. Uh, let's see. Don't use a metal Allen. You see Paul saying the same thing. We right. do not use a metal Allen wrench to adjust the horizontal width coil. Michael says, I committed blasphemy and converted to an LCD. Guys, uh-huh. look. Uh, it's not a, it's blas, it's not blasphemous no, anymore. You no. can't get CRTs unless you want to go digging through junkyards or, or garage sales for or weeks spending, at a time uh, or spending spe- a lot of money. Or yeah. spending a lot of money. I mean, at this point, LCD is really, I mean, unfortunately the way to go. I mean, in a lot of cases, Tim, we can fix CRTs, but I'm only going to fix CRTs as long as it's economically viable. Right. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Economically viable. And Tim, you would be surprised the number of people who ask for C- LCD over CRT. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we build cabinets, if I gave somebody the option between the two, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, the person's going to say LCD. Right. It is what it is. So, and the main reason, warranty. Mm-hmm. You know, on a CRT, a lot of times we won't give a warranty on that because mm-hmm. we don't have any new ones anymore. On an LCD, you usually get at least a 90-day or one-year warranty. And so people will go that way just to get the warranty. So, let's see. Um but the aspect ratio remains perfect, so I'm good with it. Let's see. Paul says, I can build a monitor with a fresh CRT tube that blows away any LCD LED. And I think he can, Tim. I believe the that's problem right. is finding the tubes. And so um, mm-hmm. sometimes you can, sometimes you can. If you can, then that's great. But um, it just depends. You can, I mean, if you can find a nice 19-inch TV, you know, and you can build a chassis for it, great. I mean, right. that's, I mean you know, it's great. But definitely a plug for Paul. He does do it at a reasonable price. And if you have an L, uh, I mean, a CRT, and you're not wanting to attempt a repair, I would definitely uh, send it to him. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, so it's not some blasphemous anymore, guys. LCDs, LCDs are a thing that has to happen now, I feel like. And so, here's the thing. Just don't do it bad. Right. Please don't put <laughs> off-the-shelf TVs in there. Don't right. do it. Avoid the converter boards at all costs. Now, there are some times where you, you have to go converter board. Let's say you want a really big monitor in mm-hmm. here. Like one that's too, like, let's say you want to go with like a 32 inch or bigger LCD in your cabinet. Okay. A converter board might be the only way to accomplish that. Okay. Right. I understand. Okay. But if you're using a standard arcade cabinet, there are LCDs that fit. Like they just fit, Tim. Right. And they work. So just use those. It's great. Okay, back to the live chat. Tim D6, quick question on Holland Computer's cocktail kit. Does it have a trackball um, control option? I did not see one on their site. I do not believe so. Now, with that said, if you talk, if you called up their support and said you wanted a control panel with a trackball option, they would probably be able to do it for you. Uh, they're very accommodating, Tim, as we mm-hmm. know. So if you call, if you email their support, their support people are really good, really friendly. I've dealt with them before. Uh, if you email them and just say, hey, um, is there any way I could get the cocktail kit but get a control panel with the trackball option, I think they would be able to accommodate you. So you may contact them. Um, and if they say no, that's okay. I mean, I kind of understand it because it's a little, it's a little difficult. Their panel, Tim, is, is like a standard yeah. size cocktail panel 
Which, so you're pretty much either going to get... a lot of room. I was about to say, you're pretty much either going to get either a trackball or a joystick. You're mm-hmm. going to have to sacrifice the, the joystick for the trackball more than likely. But if your favorite games are Centipede, Millipede, and all the ones that use the trackball, Tim, I totally right. understand. So, um, uh, like I said, but contact Holland Computers and get with them and they can give you more information on that. They do make a wide, they do make a two player side by side control panel that goes on the long side of the mm-hmm. cocktail, Tim. And so they may be able to get you one with a trackball in the middle in that case. Yeah. So, there we go. Uh, Danny says LCDs use less energy than CRTs anyway. Uh, let's see. Nate says sucks gun games have to have CRT unless it's an XY pot gun game. Yes. I mean, that's, that, that's just one of the things. Um, so if you're going to use any of the optical based gun games, Tim, you still have to have a CRT in there for the most part. Um, there are, people have been starting to find some workarounds for that, but I haven't seen any that work consistently. So, um, but there are some, there are some workarounds that are kind of going for that. So anyway. Okay, Tim, uh, I'm going to take a break here, even though we don't have one in the outline, because you brought me this nice bag. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to open this up. So, I think we talked about this last time. Yeah. Uh, my birthday was Monday. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. The big birthday. The big birthday, yes. So, um, we're having a big party on Saturday. Saturday. We're having yeah. a big party on Saturday. Unfortunately, Tim won't be able to make it due to personal things, but um, we're having a, uh, you were invited. Brother, <laughs> so it's not like I didn't invite him. He did. He did get the invite, but uh, I understand. I understand. But uh, anyway, so we're celebrating today. So I have uh, this goodie bag that Tim gave me. It's in a nice happy birthday bag. Check that out. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Tim, let me see what you got in here. Okay. Oh, what's this? Oh, nice wireless Texas Ranger speaker. So yeah. as I mentioned, I'm a big Texas Rangers fan. First games tomorrow, Tim. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. This thing looks really cool. Thank you very much. I just thought that even if it just sits on the shelf, it looked cool. It does look cool. <laughs> and but you might could use it as your grilling or Absolutely. whatever. So thank you. Do the t-shirt it. next. Oh, the t-shirt next. Okay, hold on that. Oh, nice. Do you have that one? Um, you know, I have one of them, kind but of I've like almost. That, but it's, uh, it's not different. Quite like it's a that. little different. Okay, so good. I will take it. Thank you very much. Um, one of my favorite games of all time, Super Mario sixty four. Right. Holler at me if you guys agree. It's a great game. Well, that's a tag just in case, because I knew you had one <laughs> oh, yeah, similar, yeah. but I said, well, maybe not. Now, this one's interesting. Okay. Remember, we always used to talk about the the click strip uh, gun. Yes. And but we until we found something better. Now we never talk about them, and they would always break. They were cheap and yeah. stuff. Well, this is the same company. They finally 2020 their click strip <laughs> okay. gun. And so I'm kind of curious as how oh, it works. Oh, very nice. So this is a Quinn pistol grip automatic wire stripper. Right. So very nice. It used to be the red red one. And uh, now this is their latest uh, version. And it costs about the same as the other one. So I'm really interested to see sometime how does, does it really work. Did they right. really improve it by that much maybe if nothing else it looks a little bit I don't more durable think I have just any random wire here yeah, for we'll me to to actually i may i may over there I'll have, maybe <laughs> maybe between the um live show and the after show i'll yeah. see if i can find some so if you guys want to stay tuned to it for the after so show so it's just more of a curiosity deal when we we started off we used to use those because there wasn't a lot of alternatives right and then we got away from them when i saw this i looked i said quinn wait a second it's the same brand and everything 
It's just a newer version of it, so I'm kind of interested to see how that wire stripper works. I'll get some wire in the after show, and we'll try it out. So <laughs> thank right. you, Tim, for You're my welcome. birthday present. Awesome. Birthday. Well, thank you. I, I hate that you can't make it to the party. Me too. But uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll uh, have a good time without you. So oh, you <laughs> just be careful. And I totally understand. So uh, personal things, you know, come up and things. So, But thank you for my gifts. You're welcome. I'm very, very appreciative. So, okay. Um, let's see. Um yeah, regs are show says 40. Yep, 40. Yeah. So, uh-huh. golly. But here's the thing. I've been working on games since I was 19 with Tim. Right. So more, than, more than half my life now, I've been working on arcade games. That's golly, right. it doesn't, it feels, feels like longer than that. <laughs> Maybe. You see, if you, I was about to say, if you're working on games, it ages you quickly. That's, that's yeah. the thing about it. It really does. Because I mean, cl- crawling into the back of cabinets, Tim, it's not for the old guys. It's for the young kids. <laughs> yeah. So, which is why Tim had that's me around. That's why I had you years. around. Exactly. So you need somebody to crawl in the back of cabinets. So, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, so uh, happy birthday from YouTube Punk. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Danny. Uh, thank you, Nate. Thank you guys for the birthday wishes. Um, means a lot. And yeah, this was the big one. So for my party, Tim, we have rented out a movie theater to watch mm-hmm. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's literally what I'm doing for my 40th birthday. Isn't that exactly what a 40 year old should do, Tim? Well, sure. So, Especially exactly. one with kids. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, well, you know, when all your friends have kids, it's like you gotta it do is. something where everybody can bring everybody. Exactly. Because, I mean, otherwise, you can't come. It's amazing how those parties change from yeah. your 20s to your 30s <laughs> and then to your 40s. And when you get 50s, you have your grandkids, so you got to go back and have water slides and stuff like that, you know? (laughs) I don't know. By the time I'm 50, I mean I have grandkids yet. We had them a little late there, so it'll be a little bit longer for me. (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, you know, I, you know... How, you know, people always ask me, like, how does it feel? I always say, oh, it feels like yesterday. It feels like I was 39. Uh, I mean, right. it's like yeah. I never, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to work out, exercise, take good care of myself, eat right. I mean, it is what it is. But, um, you know, I, I still feel good. Mm-hmm. You still feel good? Uh, I don't know. Some days. <laughs> Most days. Yeah, I was about to say, some days I feel like an old man. I do, no. It's, I, I feel like a weather barometer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I understand. I'm like, oh, my knees. Oh, man, it's going to rain today. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that. You can tell those changes in pressure and stuff affect you a little different. Yeah. So, anyway, when we come back on the after show next month... Well, I'll be able to tell you about Sonic the Hedgehog too, because we're all going to yeah. see it. So, um, uh, but we're going to have a good time and looking forward to it. Uh, 40, well, since Tim's not coming, 43 of my closest friends will be there. So, wow. <laughs> so I think it's how many people we've got at the movie theater. So, and like I said, it's all people, it's all, um, people with kids, because all of our friends have kids now. So it's all families of like four or three. It'll five. be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I like, and I really like the first Sonic Which the Hedgehog. Which theater movie. did y'all get? Um, it's, uh, SMG. SMG, okay. Yeah. So, but uh, looking forward to that. So uh, really looking forward to that. So, uh, oh, Tim says happy Big 40. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so Tim, with my birthday out of the way, let us continue on with our outline with some discussion. And Tim, it was kind of slow until like two or three days ago. Right. Yeah. It was, the news was slow. And then all of a sudden it was like Russia invaded Ukraine. Or yeah, something. exactly. It I mean, like, so we're going to talk happened? about, I, so I put the slow stuff on here, but the big hitters are going to save till the end. Cause I mean, okay. we had one, one post that went like totally crazy. I mean, for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll talk about that here in a second, but this first one here, Tim was pretty good. Frogger player shatters world record with over a million points. And this is from wow. Kotaku, Tim on February 27th, software engineer, Michael Smith surpassed his own previous world record for Konami's 19, 19- 1981 coin-up classic Frogger, a feat which involved maxing out his game scores counter multiple times. His new score sits at a comfortable 1,356,520, handily topping his previous score of 970,440. Smith's new Frogger score was verified by Twin Galaxies and formally accepted on March 1st. The accomplishment also meant that Smith endured 
in in the game on one credit, dodging cars and hopping across logs and lily pads for over seven hours. <laughs> wow. So if you ever feel like you want to be one of those guys who tries to get a high score in a game, you may want to think about which game it is because some of these things are marathons. I would never – I'm never going to tempt Frogger now because I'm, I'm horrible at it anyway. Yeah. I could not play that game for seven hours. you got to go to the bathroom at some point. So you yeah. have to kind of get enough lives to where – Okay, I get, I, exactly. I can walk away for a second, go to the restroom, and then come right back. So, crazy. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just it, – it is crazy. And, you know, it's just uh, – these high score guys, I mean, you have to have a real devotion to it in most cases. Um, seven hours is actually – one of the shorter ones, Tim. I mean, some right. of them take days, depending on what you what which game you're going for. So, well, we want to congratulate Michael Smith on the record. That's pretty awesome, Tim. Uh, I love playing Frogger. Mm-hmm. I've never even probably got past two hundred thousand. So, no. I mean, just to show you, it's a big accomplishment. We want to want to congratulate him on doing such an accomplishment. Awesome stuff. Okay, Tim, so Atari had a couple of things that came up here, and the first thing was that they acquired the video game database Moby Games for $1.5 million, okay? So okay. Atari has acquired Moby Games for $1.5 million. Moby Games is a highly regarded and renowned video game database that stores information on the medium spanning back to the 1950s. It's a time ca- capsule with thousands upon thousands of resources, including data on just about every single Nintendo release ever, along with releases across a dozen dozens of platforms. Hopefully the database will remain a valuable resource for enthusiasts around the world and Atari keeps his promise of supporting the site and improving the user experience. So there you go. So uh, Atari spending some money here, Tim, for uh, acquiring Moby Games. It it really is, but it kind of makes sense, I guess, in their portfolio, Tim, to have that. The other thing we know is that Atari is celebrating an anniversary, a 50th anniversary, and so they are putting out some shoes with Kariuma. Uh, You can get Atari 50th anniversary uh, new kicks, Tim. The venerated gaming company announced on Thursday that it is collaborating with sustainable footwear company Kariuma. Uh, the collection will feature five designs atop two of the most popular sneaker styles, the Chuck Taylor-esque OCA Low and the Vans adjacent a Katiba Pro. The Katiba Pros retail for about 98 and will come in black and white variants, while the $89 OCA Lows will include red color scheme in addition to black and white. Tim, I actually think they look pretty sharp. Yeah. I like I the red too. ones the best. So, I, like I mean, with the, little, with the little Atari logo on yeah. it and everything, it just looks cool. So uh, if you guys are interested in that, you guys can uh, check that out. So Atari's going to be set, um, going to be selling those here with Karyoma very soon. So uh, before I go on, Tim, uh, there's a couple of things in the live chat here. YouTube Punk says, "What about that Nibbler movie, Man vs. Snake?" And I totally forgot. It's been a while since I've seen that, so I can't remember mm-hmm. how long it took to get the to get the high score in Nibbler. But, oh, uh, crazy! Yeah, Michael yeah. says the only game I truly ever mastered was Shinobi. I beat it with one man a few times. That's good. Arcade Obsessed says, hey guys, keep up the great work. Thank you, Arcade Obsessed. Thank you for being here tonight as well for the live show. YouTube Punk says, somebody better download an offline copy of that Moby database. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and with Atari, you just never know. Right. Um, so, um, you know, it could be that they take it offline. I think people are hoping that it's going to continue to operate as, as it has, but, um, you know, who knows, so. Okay, Tim, let's get to a couple of the newer news items for this month. And, Tim, this was a big one. Um, Pinball FX, a lot of you guys play Pinball FX. It's a nice app for playing pinball on your phone, Tim. Mm-hmm. So um, this this was an article from Polygon here. Why Pinball FX is making you rebuy your old tables. And right there, Tim, that probably sets a couple of red flags up right. in your mind. Um, so let's go ahead and read this. The maker of Pinball FX says... Uh, the switch to an in-game currency slash all-you-can-eat subscription model will help it accommodate cross-platform buys later. But long-time players will have to rebuy tables in the rebooted pinball effects that they may have owned and played for years in other versions. The news has rankled many fans who are not 
only upset that they will have to rebuy tables, but also at the cost of the in-game cur- currency, so ten dollars for a hundred tickets, and subscription price, which is fifteen dollars per month. Now, Tim, fifteen dollars per month's a lot. Yeah. I mean, fifteen dollars dollars per month is more than like Netflix. You can get the lowest subscription on Netflix for less than that. So, I mean, I think the pricing here is high, but rebuying tables too, I feel like it's just something that leaves a bad taste as a consumer in my mouth. Yeah. Um, I think what they should have done is gone to like an upgrade saying, okay, if you've already purchased this, mm-hmm. we'll let you purchase it in the new platform for like an upgrade fee, right. which is not the same as buying it if you have to buy it straight up. Um, but I don't like the fact that they're making you rebuy tables. And Tim, I don't, I, I don't play Pinball FX, but I play the Williams Pinball app on my phone, which mm-hmm. is made by um, the same people. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like this is just a bad overall feeling for consumers. Fifteen dollars per month for the Pinball Pass too seems like a lot. What do you think, Tim? Uh, that seems like pretty. Yeah, this seems overpriced. Yeah, it just seems like a lot of money. And, I mean, and it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of saying to the loyal people who have been playing their game all this time, like, we don't care. It, it's almost like beneficial if you haven't been playing Pinball FX all this time. Right. Right? So, cause then you wouldn't be out any money and you'd be buying these tables all over again and be no big deal. But mm-hmm. since you're coming from the platform, basically it's like, we're gonna scrap everything, take it down to square one, and you're gonna have to rebuy everything you already have. Right. And that just doesn't seem fair to people who have invested in your platform. I understand that Pinball FX has been around for a long time, but it just, again, from a consumer standpoint, just seems like a terrible decision. Tim, right. any other takes on it before we move on? Yeah, bad, bad, bad business. Uh, you wouldn't get away with that in Texas very often. <laughs> That's you know, true. Just, I, I just can't think of um, you know, anything that you buy a subscription for. It just says, uh, okay, you bought all these movies and we charged you so much. Uh, but now we're going to go to a new platform and all those movies you're going to have to rebuy again. Exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking yeah. of kind of comparing it to. You know, there are movies that I like that I bought and they're on my system. I can watch them anytime. Even if I can discontinue the service, I own them. Um, so that, that's, yeah, it just doesn't seem like good business practice. But it's also, Tim, just goes to show you that, um, in the digital world that we live in, you don't own anything. Right. That's you know true. what I'm saying? I mean, even though these people paid for the right to play these games, that right's about to be taken away because they don't physically own those games. True. You know, it's not like when you physically own an arcade cabinet or a pinball machine and it's like, look, it, it's going to play, it's, it'll work forever because it's designed like that as long as I take good care of it and keep it up, right? I agree. So, but in the digital world, it can be taken away. Yep. So Obviously. it's something to think about. But anyway. So, now Tim, this is the story that blew up on right. Facebook page. Golly, it had just a ton of views, a ton of shares, and I think it was, I don't think it was because, um, because of the news itself. I think it's because we were the first ones to really report it. Okay. Uh, we kind of hit it right when it came out, and the reason why, Tim, is because I'm an investor in Dave and Buster's. Right. <laughs> so I kind of, I get this news like right off the bat. I like to see what I'm, you know, see what's going on. So Tim, here it is right here. Main event to be acquired by Dave and Buster's for $835 million. So this was this article was not the one we originally posted on our social media pages. This one was from uh, Yahoo Finance, Tim, okay. which I know you've you've read a lot. I've read a lot too. Dave and Buster's has bought Main Event in an eight hundred and thirty five million dollar deal. Once the deal is closed, Main Event chief executive Chris Morris will become CEO of Dave and Buster's, taking over from Kevin Sheehan, which was he was an interim CEO. Tim, uh, they lost theirs. Um, oh, I forget. I, I think through the whole COVID mess, mm. and so he was just acting as interim CEO. So. Okay. 
So Chris will take over the helm for Dave and Buster's and basically operate both companies. Main Event is one of the fastest growing family entertainment brands in the country with 50 operating locations nationwide. So Tim, if you do the math, they have 50 locations, $835 million. That's $16.7 million per location. Wow. So if you're Main Event, you'd be kind of stupid not to take this deal. Right. Just based on that. So... Under the deal, Main Event will continue to operate as a distinct brand. Now, Tim, I've seen some some things about how Main Event and Dave & Buster's are kind of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really seems like Main Event is probably more targeted towards younger kids, while right. Dave & Buster's is probably more for that uh, young adult, teenager, mm-hmm. college student, and older crowd like us. I agree. Dave & Buster's is probably more targeted towards us. I'd be more likely to walk into a Dave & Buster's before a Main Event. Probably so. So... Um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Chris Morris for a second here, Tim. Over Morris's four-year tenure, Main Event has expanded its center footprint by over thirty percent and more than doubled their earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Wow. Okay. So this seems like a win for Dave and Buster's too, because now they're getting a guy who obviously has a lot of experience. Now, Tim, you may recognize the name Chris Morris because he used to use work for another company that you used to work for, Chuck E. Cheese Entertainment. He was the CFO. I know Chris. You know Chris? Yeah. I need him on the show. So I was can you like... Call him <laughs> I need him on the show. I did so not realize... Yeah, him. I haven't seen this article. I did not realize that he was going to be the CEO. Correct. So he was CFO for uh, for CEC Entertainment for 10 years. A long time. Right. I can't remember how long, but for a very long time. And so um, he is now going to be the – and so, like, you know, he came over to main event, Tim. He already had experience in the entertainment business, right? He right. already worked for Chuck E. Cheese. He already had an idea of how things were going. So um, so if you know Chris, it would be great if you could talk to him. I was going to if his phone number was still on my phone, but it's not. Okay. Yeah. Because um, he he would be a great guy to talk to right now. I'm very interested about how the deal all mm-hmm. happened and, and kind of what his vision is for Dave & Buster's moving forward. Um, but I really think this is a win for Dave & Buster's because they get him. Mm-hmm. And he's done really good financially. And it's a win for main event because they're getting a buttload of money. <laughs> is that right. what I mean? So. <laughs> it, 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 it really is. And um, what's weird is they only have 50 locations and literally Dave and Buster's could have bought Chuck E. Cheese and 600 locations for a little bit more than that two years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's true. They've been for sale forever. They still could. Right. So it's weird that that is, I think the Chuck E's a good deal. Right. If you could, but the thing is, is Chucky, Chucky has been losing money, right? Right. Whereas Main Event has been making, incre- money. making money. Exactly. Yeah. It's the difference. And so, I mean, this, so basically, Dave and Buster's is taking on more debt. They already have debt, but they're taking mm-hmm. on more debt. So, in the short term, this is probably going to hurt Dave and Buster's a right. little bit. Okay. But in the long term, if Chris Morris is able to do what he did with Main Event, Tim, uh, Dave and Buster's could become a company and may look at an acquisition like Chuck E. Cheese, perhaps. Correct. Right. Maybe so. So maybe this is part of a larger expansion plan. You know, and, uh, we audit that main event. I didn't know that. Yeah. And okay. we used to audit Dave and Buster's. Wow. So it's going to be curious. Now will we do that Chris has taken over, will we do Dave and Buster's and main event? Sure. So maybe some more business for me. There you go. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, if you can get in and touch with... fun. I was about to say, if you can get in touch with Chris... I get to do all the game testing. Yeah, I was about to say, you need to get in touch with Chris. We need to get an interview. Okay. So we'll if work you can, on because it. I, think, I think it's fascinating. His kind of... I mean, the fact that you guys both worked for Chuck E. Cheese for a yeah. while, and then, of course, he's gone on in the entertainment business to do these things. So I really do think he's a, he's a, seems like a fascinating guy. So if we can mm-hmm. have him on the show, 
I'm all about it. All or right. you do a phone interview. We'll work up something. Chris, if you're watching, don't forget your boy. He ain't watching. So. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. These okay, I, I will say that. We <laughs> never know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, questions at ArcadeAppareTips.com. So <laughs> right. if you want to chime in, we definitely would like to hear from you. So, But I do think it's a win-win on both sides. I think it's part of a longer-term strategy, though. Mm-hmm. And the thing about public 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 companies – Publicly traded companies like Dave and Buster's is kind of you're kind of forced into this position of continual growth, and this has to do with that as well, Tim. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to grow, and so main event, you know, of course, absorbing those fifty locations is going to help them out quite a bit. But I tend to think, Tim, that this is part of a a longer term strategy. So, right, and hopefully, Chris with Chris at the helm. Both companies will flourish a lot, and uh, it'll become overall. What do you think about their premise that main event targets younger kids while Dave Buster's targets older? Do you agree think, with that? Yeah, I think that it's good to keep them separate because if you've ever been, um, that's exactly what you'll see. You'll go into a main, let's say Friday night, let's say for your birthday or Saturday night we wanted to go out. We would go to Dave & Buster's. We would see guys our age, a little younger, be some drinking, and... Um, Lots of game playing, but it would cater to that. You'd see a lot of guys more than girls. Right. <laughs> it would be guys hang out night and, and some women and stuff, but it would mostly be adults. You turn around and went right up the street to a main event, you would see families with their kids. Yeah. And uh, it's more than Chuck E. Cheese. It wouldn't be just kiddie games. They have a lot of adult games, and they have uh, food and a bar and everything. But it it definitely, I can see the difference when I go there. So main event, food-wise, usually has more of like a concession stand style food. Like maybe some nachos, some hot dogs, stuff they've, like that. They've actually expanded quite a bit, but not quite the menu, I think. that Even Dave and Buster's has went smaller. Right. And they've went a little bigger. So it's not going to be a lot of difference. They're, they serve uh, wings and stuff like that. and Okay. Maybe even a little bit more food than uh, Dave and Buster's now at this time. Uh, YouTube, CEO. I can't, YouTube a says those main events sell alcohol. I'm pretty sure they do. Yes. Yeah, they sell alcohol. But I don't know if they have a bar, like a big nice bar like Dave and Buster's would have. It's more like, yeah, it's more like you could have a drink or they have a bar area. I know they do. They have a bar you can sit at. But for the most part, it's tables, you right. know, where they serve you a drink at your table. Sounds good. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens going forward. My stock jumped a lot, like, the day before the announcement. I think uh-huh. some people were it's getting gonna, in early. Yeah. Um, and it's fallen a little bit since then. And it may fall some more. But I think in the long term, Tim, it is going to be a win for everybody. I think so. There you go. Uh, before we move on here, Tim, a Delusional's Arcade Series says, What's up, Tim and Jonathan? What's up, Delusional? How you doing, man? Hope everything's going going your way. Michael said, we had a Stars and, uh, a Stars and Strikes open near us recently. I was super impressed with that place. I have seen those, Tim, but mm-hmm. I have not been in one. Have you ever been I've to been Stars and one. Strikes? Okay. And it was really neat. Yeah, it was a good experience. I liked it. Yeah. It, movie theater, right? Mm-hmm. That's the Stars and then the Strikes is the mm-hmm. bowling alley part, right? If I remember correctly. Kind of like Grand Slam. Yeah, Grand Slam. Okay. So, cool places. We love family entertainment centers. Sure. So, love arcade games. Anywhere that has arcade games, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Tim, the good news this month is that I don't have to talk about somebody who passed away. Okay. I feel like I've done that for like the last five or six months. Right. Okay, but I do have something that I want to share with you guys about Barry Ausler, who Mm -hmm. we talked about 
uh, last month who had passed away, Tim. Um, they set up a GoFundMe for his family, Tim. So, um, you know, to help out with medical bills and expenses. So we would encourage you to consider making a donation to help them out. Barry lost his income and health insurance in 2021, Tim, while battling cancer. Mm. And that's rough right there. If you lose your health insurance while you're battling cancer, it just makes the bills pile up. So medical bills along with monthly bills quickly escalated past that point. His passing has been devastating to everyone, especially his wife and daughter, who have been left with an overwhelming amount of debt as they grieve the loss of her husband and, and father. So, I mean, and their father. So, I mean, it's just a... It's a rough situation here, Tim, um, and we want to wish his family the best. But, guys, if you have any, like, just, you know, if you can spare five, ten bucks, just something small to help them out, we would we would encourage you to do that. The link is down below in the show description. You guys can see it there. Um, but, you know, Barry, I, I mentioned this last month, Tim. I got to meet him. He's a very nice guy. I'm a huge fan of a lot of his games, including Who Done It, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very quiet, very right. reserved, but very nice and was willing to a- answer any question that I asked him. And so I, I appreciated that of him. And, uh, we, you know, we just want to help out his family here, Tim, because it does sound like they're still going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. Cancer guys, it, I mean, it gets you both ways. It gets you, it gets you health wise, but it gets you financially too. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, if there's anything you guys can spare to help them out, we, we would encourage you to do that. It's just, uh, again, um, they're, it sounds like they're really struggling, Tim. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Okay, well, before we wrap it up, Tim, let's go ahead and go to the live chat one more time. We've got NTR President. I wonder if DMB will get into the into bowling game. Some main events have lanes. So some Dave & Busters have lanes. We've been to ones mm-hmm. that have bowling lanes. So, I mean, they have gotten into the bowling game. I mean, uh, Tim, we, was it the one in Houston that had the upstairs with the bowling lanes? Yes. There was one that we went to that had an upstairs of bowling lanes. So it's not uncommon mm-hmm. for them to have bowling. Not all locations have it, Tim. We like the Frisco location. I don't mm-hmm. believe it has bowling. But... Some of the Dave & Buster's locations do have bowling already. Um, let's see. Uh, but it seems like all the main events do. Yes, yeah, so I think I see like what that. he's saying. It's yeah. kind of like their deal to bowling Agreed. with games and stuff. Absolutely. So, Okay, well, I think I'm going to leave it there, Tim. I do want to go ahead and show this slide because, Tim, we actually paid it off this week or this month. Uh, we uh-huh. had um, an arcade-related video submitted by The Regzer Show. We got to show that in the pre-show countdown. So we will be showing videos now uh, from time to time in the pre-show countdown. And so we were able to show Regzer Shows today to give him some promotion. And if you would like that same kind of promotion for your channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. You can send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And Tim, like I said, we paid that off for the Regzer Show this month. We can pay that off next month for somebody else so yeah. um I, again uh, something uh something to keep in mind for you guys who want to you know try to get monetized on your channel we hope that all of you guys can and uh, we're here to help you out if you've got arcade related content and then tim we have our contact information we have our general email at questions at arcade repair questions at arcade repair if you put live show in the subject um we tend to use those on the show so if you want it on the show make sure you put live show in the subject line again that email is questions at arcade repair questions at arcade repair we have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. For those of you guys who are in the live chat, you obviously know that we have a YouTube page, but uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you may not. And so if you want to get the after 
show, which is a YouTube exclusive, then you'll want to go to youtube.arcadepretips.com and look up this episode and fast forward it to the end where we do the after show. So um, the after show, Tim, for those of you guys who don't know, it's just a small little show that we do after the live show where basically any topic goes. We don't restrict it just to arcade topics. So if you want to stay tuned for that, you can. We're going to start that about five to ten minutes after the regular live show here on YouTube. But if you're listening to this again on the podcast feed, make sure you make sure you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Look up the episode to listen to the after show. And Tim, I think the after show we're going to try our new stripper out that you got me for my birthday. Okay. <laughs> so there's a teaser. You guys can stick <laughs> for the after show for that. Uh, no, so, to our wives, we're, it's a wire, wire stripper. stripper. Okay. Right. <laughs> our new wire stripper, okay. Tim. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry. I have to be very distinct. And, of course, you can also subscribe to the audio of this show on our podcast feeds. And that's at, uh, we have a couple of them, Tim, or iTunes. One at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com, iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. If you enjoy our content, we would also encourage you to leave a review there. Um, we always like those reviews, Tim. And if you uh, have some way we can improve our show, feel free to email us as well. We are always open for that. Um, we're also on Spotify, Tim, at Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com, Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com. We are also on Stitcher Radio, Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com, or wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. If you do a search for Arcade Repair on any podcast platform, you will probably find our show. So, again, uh, look those up, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes if you are so inclined. And then, Tim, we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We want to thank Mark for all of his contributions, especially for the the, um, the Texas Pinball Festival contributions, Tim. He went, and uh, Tim, we were not able to go. We didn't talk about that. I was sick uh, the week before, and I did not get to feeling good till Thursday, and I didn't think it would be a really smart idea for me to go up to up to uh, um Frisco on Friday and Saturday after just recovering. Right. So I was not feeling good, and then you had uh, death in the family. Yes. And so, um, which is why you can't come to my party on Saturday, too. Right. So um, we were not able to make it to Texas Pinball Festival, but Mark was. And we want to thank Mark for posting all the, the latest pinball news and all the information there on our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. If you don't use Facebook, you're a Twitter guy instead. You can also subscribe, or you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. And the same information gets posted on both social media platforms. Again, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com or facebook.arcaderepairtips.com to follow us on social media. Tim, we mentioned that the Dave and Buster's article, it didn't go viral per se, but it definitely got us a ton of views on our Facebook page. Yeah, um, a lot of new likes. Right, exactly. We got a lot, of, lot of traction from that. So we want to thank all you guys who may be coming on board for the first time to watch our content uh, because of that article. Uh, we got a lot of shares on that, a lot of great, inf- a lot of great exposure thanks to that. And Tim, like I said, I don't think it was that we were the first to report it. We were just one of the first to put the news out there. So, right. Um, but uh, anyway, we want to thank all you guys who are new to the platform for joining us, and uh, we look forward to you enjoying more of our content in the future. So, Tim, after show, wire stripper. All right. Wire stripper, but we're also going to talk about spring break. Okay. Okay, a little bit. What you did, what I did. It is MLB opening day. Right. Like we talked about at the beginning, didn't think that was going to happen, but it is. So we'll talk a little bit about that. NHL, NBA playoffs, March Madness, Tim. What'd you think about that? It was a quite an interesting finish to that. that there was you go. A, I liked it. So we'll talk about that. Watch some games. Uh, we'll talk about the movies we've seen. Tim, I did get to see Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, finally. So finally. So I got to see it. So I'll give you my thoughts on that. Um, a couple of the other shows we're watching, Tim. Uh, you mentioned Stitchers on Hulu, which uh-huh. I haven't seen. Um, I've been watching Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty that on HBO really Max. I'll give you my thoughts on that good. in the after show. 
So, and Tim, again, after show comes up right after this show, and we'll go forward there. So if you guys want to wait for the after show, we'll be back in about five or ten minutes after we wrap this up. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast again, make sure you go to our YouTube page, look up the episode, and then go to the end to watch the after show. Tim, I think we're done for this month. As far as the regular show is concerned, is there anything you want to say? Comments or thoughts or pontifications? Mm -hmm. um, Thank everybody for uh, being so lively in the chat room. It looks like you guys were over there. We're real engaged. Um, Sorry we don't have a moderator right now. So anyway, we just want to appreciate you for being here, for making this an active show. We enjoy uh, doing this once a month. And so look forward to next month. Absolutely. Thank you guys for being here. Round of applause for the live chat tonight. You guys did great. Uh, lots of great questions tonight. Tim yep. comments and input sure. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Tim, you guys make the show. Cause I mean, I feel like whenever we don't uh, have the live chat or when it's not as busy, Tim, it, it kind of makes the show fly by a little bit faster. And I don't, I don't, I like it when it's slow and we can kind of take it and answer all the questions right. and just interact with you guys. I feel like it's way more fun when we get to get to interact directly with you guys here on the show. So thank you guys for being here who were live. And thank you if you're watching it after the fact too. I mean, obviously, we love for you guys to be here live, but we understand that not everybody can do that. And that's why we have a nice archive, Tim, of all of our live shows on our YouTube page. You can always go back and catch those great moments you missed. Well, Tim, I think we're done. All right. Are we done? Okay, so stay tuned for the after show. That'll be coming up here in a minute. Wire strippers. We'll try that <laughs> and see where we end up. But otherwise, if you're getting off here, if this is your off-ramp, we hope that you have a great rest of April. We'll be back in May with our next live show, first Thursday night of every month, 530 Central Time, right, Tim? Yeah. So we hope to see you then, or we hope to see you in the after show, depending. But either way, Tim, got to remember when you're here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game. You play the game. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you later. Have a great night. you for watching this episode of the arcade repair tips live show all of our past episodes are available on our website at arcaderepairtips.com or on our youtube page this show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin operated machines yourself the preceding program is a varcade entertainment production